computer crashed last night. I had a, a hard drive, what do they call that, fatal failure, I don't know, it was, it was bad. And um, so I was unable to load any of the scriptures up for uh, our normal study. I go online from my laptop, that's where I have the software installed, and I load everything up. So tonight, you're going to be turning your pages. We're going to hear those Bibles turning tonight. And uh, old school, we're going old school tonight. (laughs) All right. So with that in mind, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. So... Um, We're going to be bouncing around a little, so those of you that know your way around, help those that maybe don't. You know, we do get spoiled with that overhead, don't we? We just never hardly have to crack it. I can't seem to find anything in my Bible anymore without my Bible search program. You know, where's that verse, Pastor? Uh, Let me get my computer and I'll I'll tell you. I don't remember. But uh, it's good for us to be familiar with with our word, so maybe this will be good for us here tonight. Tonight's message is, uh, again, we're, we're, if you remember, we're studying through the summer here a series on the subject of grace and kind of following uh, a little bit of an outline from the book provided, uh, Why Grace Changes Everything. Those books are available for you out in the fellowship hall. If you don't have a copy, it's a, it's a great uh, book for your library. And tonight my title is called Free to be Bound. Free to be Bound. And I think you'll understand as we work our way through tonight's study, what I'm trying to communicate, there is a freedom that comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. The New Testament talks a great deal about the freedom that we have come to in Christ. He's come to set the captives free. And truly to know Jesus is to know freedom. It is to be free from all of the things that bind us, all of those things that would otherwise look to control us and really bind up our lives. And Jesus has set us free to live for Him and to live in the liberty that grace brings, no longer under the restriction and the requirements of the law, but rather now walking in the freedom of grace. But we want to talk about that freedom a little bit, what it is, what it isn't. And then we want to talk about this idea Again, being bound. Peter said this, and you're in Galatians and we'll be there in a moment. 1 Peter 2.16, encouraging the brothers and sisters there, he says, As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. We'll see this as we look through our study. A number of the New Testament writers identify themselves as bondservants of Jesus Christ. Almost seems like a paradox. All this talk of freedom, and yet all these guys want to refer to themselves as bond servants, slaves of Jesus Christ. We'll take a look here tonight, and hopefully you'll get the meaning of that and, and understand what God has called us to. One of the things that we know God has set us free from is the freedom from sin. We were lost and dead in sin. Before Jesus Christ, you and I were actually, by nature, sinners. We couldn't really help but sin. And if you lived any amount of time without Christ, you know that that's true. In fact, even with Christ, we find that we seem to be prone to sin. It is a part of the sin nature. And before Jesus Christ came to set us free, we really were, were in bondage to that. Even if we wanted to change, even when we desired to change, We couldn't. Oh, maybe we could get one area of our life, one area of bondage kind of under control and and get free, but only to find ourselves bound up somewhere else, some other area of life entangling us. And so Jesus Christ has come to set us free. And part of that freedom from sin, of course, is the freedom from the penalty and the curse of our sin. Aren't you thankful tonight that forgiveness brings a complete release of the penalty and the curse and the judgment for sin. You're there in Galatians 3. Look at verse 13. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You are no longer under the curse of the law. The law said... This is what you must do. This is what you must not do. And when you broke that law, there came penalty. And all of us found ourselves as lawbreakers. All of us were destined to be judged as lawbreakers. You say, oh, no, not me. You know, I'm a good person. (laughs) 
Well, you know, the requirements of the law ultimately identify all of us as sinners. Thou shalt not lie. Anybody ever told a lie? And if you say you haven't, you're lying probably right now. <laughs> so we're liars, aren't we? Let's nice to meet all you liars here tonight. There are other, you know, you say, well, I've never really, you know, I've not murdered anyone. Well, that's, I mean, we're, we're thankful for that. But Jesus said, you know, even if, even if you store up hatred in your heart, that's out of that, that, that hatred and resentment and bitterness, even that is, that's where mur- murder comes from. So in your heart, you are guilty. Lust, Bible says, even to, Jesus said, even a man to look on a woman lustfully is as if he's committing adultery in his heart. So clearly we are lawbreakers and we are all destined to be judged by the law. But by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, he has taken that penalty for us. He became a curse for us. And we have now been freed from the penalty. He has redeemed us from that curse. You don't need to turn. I'll quote, you know this one, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are free from the penalty, the curse, the judgment of our own sin. By forgiveness and mercy, Jesus Christ took it for us at the cross. He's also freed us from the power of sin. And we've been talking about this quite a bit these last couple of weeks. Some of this is a little review, but turn with me now into the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. If you're in Galatians, Ephesians is just the book to the right. Ephesians chapter 2. And we see here that God has delivered us not only from the penalty or the guilt, the, the, the judgment of sin, but from the power of sin over our lives. And this is what I was mentioning earlier, earlier that it was by nature we were sinners. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And you he made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul lets the Ephesians know, look, this is where you were. You were bound up in your own sin. You were actually being manipulated, he says, by the, by the prince of the power of the air. Of course, we believe that's Satan. That there was actually spiritual forces that were dominating and controlling even your will. Because you had no way to set yourself free. You were guilty of sin. You came under its power. And you conducted yourself in the way that you were by nature. But now, that power has been broken. And the power of sin is no longer over you. Again, don't turn. Let me quote it. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Yes, you were a child of wrath by nature, but if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are now a child of God. And God has set you free from that old nature. You are no longer bound by it. You no longer have to live under its power. You no longer have to serve Satan, the prince of the power of the air. He has no more power over your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have been set free. Now, you may still be wrestling, and we've talked about that. The old man still kind of wanting to to dominate, still wanting to rise up. But spiritually and in God's eyes and in God's economy, the power has been broken. You and I are free in Jesus Christ. And this is an important uh, principle, a doctrine for us to know and believe, but it's also important for us to understand our responsibility in this freedom. With freedom comes certain responsibilities. We know that to be true, right? Even, even in political understanding, you know, the freedom that we enjoy as a nation, it, it, it's not without sacrifice. It doesn't come without certain responsibilities that we might continue to enjoy the freedom. And so God in his word gives us some responsibilities concerning our freedom as well. You may remember this. Uh, it's a famous passage when uh, Joshua had, it was speaking to the children of Israel 
as they were now kind of moving in and taking possession of the promised land. You remember, the children of Israel had been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. They were slaves there. And this speaks to of our spiritual life, having been delivered, set free from the slavery and bondage of sin and the world. And they were now brought into the promised land. They were now beginning to enjoy the blessings as God's children. And in that setting, what does Joshua say? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. He goes on to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, this is a free people. This is a people that have been brought out of slavery from Egypt. They are now actually beginning to enjoy the promised land. They're the children and people of God. And Joshua says, now, choose this day whom you will serve. You are free, but be careful with your freedom. Make sure that you choose wisely to to serve the Lord. Use your freedom to serve Him. Don't use your freedom. Don't misuse your freedom and go back into the very bondage that God has brought you out of. And this is what we want to take a look at a little bit. Not misusing the freedom. You're there in Galatians. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Or, I'm sorry, you're in Ephesians. Back to Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul says this to the Galatians who have been set free from the law, from sin and its power over their life. In chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. A choice almost sounds like what Joshua said, guys. Choose How to use your freedom now. Stand fast in this liberty and don't be entangled again into a yoke of bondage. I quote Chuck Smith here again from his book, Why Grace Changes Everything. And he says this, So many times people misunderstand Christian liberty, thinking that freedom in Christ means that they can freely commit all kinds of sin. They use their freedom as an occasion for the flesh. This is a total perversion of what Scripture teaches about Christian liberty. Our liberty is never a freedom to sin freely. It is never a license to sin. Important that we know that. You know, we've been talking a lot about grace. We've been talking a lot about the mercy and the forgiveness of God. But understand that the grace of God and the mercy of God that He has poured out and lavished upon our lives is not to somehow give us, you know, license to now keep on sinning. Paul asks this question. He said, you know, first he says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Talking about the, the grace of God, that it is able to cover and abound no matter what the sin, no matter what the failure, no matter the depths of your despair, no matter how deep you've sunk, the grace of God can rescue you and save you. But don't misunderstand that to be some license now. He goes on to say, what then? Should we sin all the more that grace might abound all the more? God forbid. No, that's not the purpose of grace. Grace has come to rescue you, not to empower you to continue to walk and live in your sin. So this freedom, this was wonderful grace that we enjoy, free from the law, free from the requirements of the law, free from the curse of the law, It has come that we might live for the Lord, not go back into bondage. And so the writer, Paul says to the Galatians, do not be entangled again. The writer of Hebrews tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And that's the caution, isn't it, for the Christian that comes into freedom, the Christian that is set free from the guilt and the shame of the past. Don't now, no, now use that as some opportunity to kind of, well, God will forgive me anyway. I can, I can dabble a little. I can always kind of go back and, and then, you know, because grace will cover me. That's not a good mindset. That's a misuse of this grace and freedom that God is bringing. And so you don't want it to be entangled again. You don't want to let that sin once again so easily ensnare you. We'll be back in Galatians, but we're also going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians will be to your left. 
not too far. You'll hit 2 Corinthians and back into 1 Corinthians. And I want you to come to chapter 6. Again, just some more practical instruction here on how to use this freedom that God has brought to our lives. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul says this about his freedom in Christ. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul was enjoying his new freedom in Christ as well. You remember Paul had come out of Judaism. He was a man who who was bound up by trying to keep the regulations and, and restrictions of the law whether they were dietary, whether they were ceremonial, whether they were moral. He was just bound up trying to, to you know, follow the straight re- uh, regiment of the law. And then when he came to Christ, he realized that God had a righteousness far better than keeping the checklist of the law. He had a righteousness that would come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. That as he put his faith in Jesus Christ, all the requirements of the law were fulfilled in him. And this now gives him great liberty and freedom. He's no longer bound by even some of the dietary and and ceremonial restrictions that the law had originally held him under. So he's free to eat different types of food now. He's free. He's he's no longer concerned about some of the uh, sacrificial uh, elements of the law. But he says, listen, even though all things are now lawful to me, that doesn't mean that all things are helpful. Yes, I am free as a believer in Christ, but that doesn't mean that everything is helpful for my spiritual walk. And he says, I'm not going to let anything take power over my life. So there's a caution here. There's a, there's a care that Paul brings. I'm free. And, I, and you know these are not things that are going to necessarily send me to hell or threaten my salvation. But if they're not helpful... If they're not really contributing to my life, I'm going to be careful because it could be that I could be bound up in them again. You know how it is. Sin has an entangling kind of way. That's why the writer of Hebrews says it so easily ensnares us. A little dabbling, a little, you know, uh, kind of misuse of your liberty. Well, we're free and free. Ah, you know, God, it's not going to, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, there's liberty in Christ. And be careful, because with that mindset, you may end up, as Paul said, I will not be brought under the power of anything. I don't want anything other than the Spirit of God, other than my walk with Jesus, to be controlling and influencing my life. Look also, you're there in 1 Corinthians, turn over to chapter 10. A similar exhortation he makes now in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says almost the same things, but he, he adds just one little phrase here. First, first Corinthians 10, I'm in verse 23. First Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. That word edify means build up. All things are lawful in the sense that they may not put your salvation in jeopardy but they may impede your walk with the Lord. We should avoid those areas of conduct that will hinder or distract us from sincerely living for the Lord. Does it edify? Does it build me up, strengthen me spiritually? There are a lot of things in life that are not necessarily wrong, but they're not necessarily edifying either. I'm talking about marginal things, and and you have to let the Lord kind of direct you, but we're talking about a mindset. I'm free. You know, we we can make choices about the way we, uh, different types of entertainment choices, for example. Now, we would know that some entertainment choices are clearly wrong. They're immoral. They're not right. They're not healthy. Some things are very black and white, and we know. But some things are like, eh, you know, There's nothing wrong with it, but, you know, too much of it may not be a healthy thing either. And so these are the areas, these little principles of conscience, if you will, where a lot of Christian decisions have to be made day to day. And so here's some guidelines for you. Yeah, you're free. 
You know, you're not going to hell if you see an R-rated movie, okay? I know some of you, that may be a shock to some, but you're probably, that, that's not the kind of thing that will necessarily send you to hell. But, you know, I mean, R-rated movie after R-rated movie and some of the R-rated movies, yeah, I mean, you know, is that something that's going to edify you? Is that something that's going to build you up spiritually? Now, I'm, I want you to, don't misunderstand me. I'm not here to give you, you know, you can see PG-13s, but not ours. You can see PGs, but not pg 13 You know, we don't do that here. We're not trying to give some kind of, uh, you know, rules and regulations. We're rather trying to sow into your heart some principles for living spiritually and make good decisions about your own spiritual well-being. There are some, some movies that, I, you know, I, I enjoy movies. And uh, you know what? I gotta, I'll confess, last night when my computer crashed, I was watching an old version of Star Trek. <laughs> and the ship was right there. The ship froze in mid-space on me. So I'm thinking, Lord, are you trying to say something here? Are you saying that, you know, maybe this was... Uh, my wife says, yes, definitely it was the Lord. You know, just killing some time, just kind of, you know, relaxing. I'm getting tired, and I'll put a little something on to help me kind of doze off, and I crash my computer. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, my wife thinks maybe there is, but, you know, there, there isn't. So, uh, again, we don't want to try and bind you up. You should enjoy the, the freedom that you have. And, you know, we have so many wonderful opportunities for recreation, especially in Southern California. So many wonderful opportunities for entertainment and things that we can do together as family and friends and fellowship. And, and I believe that God can give all of these things for us to enjoy, but, and, and all of them are lawful. But listen, not everything is helpful. And not everything will edify. And I don't want to be doing anything that is somehow going to be bringing me under its spell under its power, under its influence. So use some discernment. Use your freedom wisely in the Lord. Ask yourself, you know, the question to be asking maybe isn't, well, is there anything wrong with it? The question might be better asked, is there anything helpful about it? Is there anything good? Is there anything fruitful? Will this contribute to my spiritual life and well-being? And those are the kinds of things that you want to be giving yourselves to. Now, there's nothing wrong with some recreation. There's nothing wrong with a little entertainment. I believe that God would give you the joy of that. But do be wise. Do be careful. Do be, you know, just sometimes I think just time and resources. You know, I, I, I think some things that are actually probably really good recreation, but if they're done to excess, you know, I like to play golf. I like to try and play golf. <laughs> but, you know, to, to play a round of golf, it's, especially in Southern California, I mean, you're looking at four or five hours to play a round of golf, which is why I only play, you know, four or five times a week. No, I don't play that at all. <laughs> I play once every few months. You know, I play four or five times a year. But, you know, I really enjoy it. I mean, I, I'd kind of like to play more. But, you know, it just, to be honest, for me, it just it takes too much time. And then you got to practice, you know, you go out there and you're so terrible, you got to get out to the driving range, you got to work on your swing. I mean, it takes a real commitment and energy for some of the choices that we make sometimes just in recreation. Is there anything wrong with that? No. It's a great, it's a great recreation. I think it's a wonderful way. I've enjoyed many uh, times with my dad. It's been an opportunity for him and I to connect. I enjoy it with my sons. We've, it's, it's a great thing to do with family. But... It needs to be in some sense of balance, doesn't it? Of course, I'm, of course it's lawful, but is, you know, at, at some point, is it helpful? At some point, maybe I need to reevaluate my priorities. These are just principles that will guide you. Enjoy the freedom that God has given you, but recognize that it comes with certain responsibility, and you want to be serving the Lord with a sense of priority. You're there in Galatians. Look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Or, I'm sorry, you were back in 1 Corinthians, weren't you? Okay, back to, I'm back in, we're going to be back and forth, 1 Corinthians and Galatians now. Galatians 5 and verse 13. 5 and verse 13. 
For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let's talk about the proper use of your freedom. Talked a little bit about you know potential misuses of that freedom. But what's the proper use? What has God really set us free to do? He's broken the bondage of sin. He's cleansed us from the curse and penalty of it. He's broken its power over our lives. We truly are free. Christianity is the only place of real freedom. And yet, what has God set us free to do? He's set us free to love one another, to serve Him, to live for Him, to live for Him without condemnation, to live for Him with a heart of love and relationship, to live for Him in a confidence and a peace. And this is what... Paul writes here, brethren, you've been called to this. Don't use it as an opportunity to be in the flesh, but rather through love, serve one another. You're free to serve others as the love of God now is transforming your own heart. You've been touched by God's love. Forgiveness. Let's just use that as one example. Forgiveness is not an easy thing to do when you've been wronged. Forgiveness is not doesn't come naturally to us when someone hurts us and wrongs us. And we have a legitimate claim, and yet God calls us what? To forgive, just as you have been forgiven. You see, the grace, the empowering for me to be forgiving is the forgiveness that I have tasted and enjoyed as a believer. As God has forgiven me, there's been such a release, such a cleansing, such a a burden lifted. I was talking to a young man last Wednesday night. They had their the youth kind of outreach alternative night. And there was a young man that had come there and had given his life to the Lord. And so I went over just after our service. was just kind of hanging out over there as the kids were kind of finishing up. And this young man was telling me his testimony. He said, I can't explain it, but I just felt like this weight was lifted off of my shoulders. I just felt like this giant weight was lifted, the weight of guilt, his sin, his separation from God. He could actually feel it almost like a physical weight coming off as he gave his heart to the Lord and the Lord forgave him. And don't you know that becomes the very empowering forgiveness that gives you and I the strength to forgive. You know what forgiveness tastes like. You didn't deserve it, but God has been gracious in providing it, and now by His Spirit, He sets you free to be forgiving. You can forgive because you and I have been forgiven so much. And so Jesus would say it, even in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God's doing a work in us. And this work of grace is He's setting you free to be His child, to be empowered by His Spirit, to walk in love, to walk in mercy. To be long-suffering and to be patient. These are impossible things to do without the relationship and the nourishment of the Spirit of God empowering us. We can't be those things by ourselves. God set us free and empowered us that we can do. We're free now to walk in love, free to serve. We worship, Tyler mentioned it in our worship tonight. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, that's very liberating, that's very freeing. I don't have to be intimidated. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to walk in, you know, uh, paranoia. Because God's for me. God's with me. I'm free now to love. I'm free to forgive. I'm free to be, you know, what God has called me to be because He has set me free by His grace and by His power. Free to serve. Free to love. The fruit of the Spirit being love in and through my life. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you love hearing those Bibles turn? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Pick it up with me in verse... 24. Again, now we're, we're talking about the proper use of our freedom. We don't want our freedom to become an opportunity for the flesh. We want it to be an opportunity to serve the Lord. Verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? 
Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul, who speaks of God's freedom and and that all things are lawful, speaks now of the way that he disciplines himself. Now, this is not some effort to be saved. This is not some, you know, works to try and gain God's favor. This is rather a self-imposed desire. I want to go all the way with the Lord, Paul said. I want to run to win. God's put me in. God set a course before me. I'm going for it. God has set me free. He's redeemed me. He's forgiven me. He's cleansed me. He's put His Spirit in my heart and life. And now I'm living for Him. That's what He has set you free for, to live for Him with all your heart. This discipline that He's talking about is not to gain favor with God. It's not to earn points. He has already the righteousness of Christ. He's just wanting to excel in the Lord. And so he he makes choices, just as you and I must make choices every day about life and time management and, you know, whether we're going to read our word, oh, I'm tired today, I need to pray, but I don't have time, I should go to church, but, oh, I'm tired, it's late, had a rough day at work. All of the little decisions that we make during the day that... You know, it's, it's, it, again, it, it's not the difference between your, your salvation. It's not the difference between God's love for you. But it may be the difference of whether you are growing and maturing and coming into the fullness of what God has for you. God has it for you, but you and I must embrace it. You and, us, and I must use this wonderful freedom that He has given to us to live for the Lord. Don't do anything that's going to slow you down. Don't bring anything into your life that's going to distract you from running this race. Because God wants you to to go strong. Paul, at the end of his ministry, would write to Timothy, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, I've finished my course. And there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not only for me, but for all those who love his appearing. And so the writer of Hebrews, run with endurance the race that is set before you and lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you, looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. So we're called to use this wonderful freedom of grace to pursue God. You know, it, it's kind of like he's, he's, he's cut all the baggage off, you know. He's all of the things that were distracting you, all the things that were holding you back. He's completely free. Now, now go run, be free, but run for the Lord. Run with all your strength, run with all your heart and watch the spirit of God work and move in your life. This is the this is the call of grace to come and live freely in relationship with him. Finally, here today, I want to talk about the bond of love, the bond of love. Getting coming full circle here, my title. Remember, free to be bound. Free to be bound. You might ask this question. And we've talked a lot about grace. We've talked a lot about God not being interested in rules and regulations and checklists of duties. God's not looking for outward conformance. He's looking for inward relationship. And it comes through grace and through His gift to you. You might ask this question. Without the restraints of rules and laws... How will we live for God? What will ensure our obedience to Him without the pressure of outward restrictions? Right? I mean, it's kind of like, what do you, what, what's going to happen if I don't have some rules to follow? If I don't have some clear guidelines and boundaries? How can I be sure that I won't just, you know, go crazy, run off, you know, and just kind of be some wild, rebellious, undisciplined child of God? What is it? That brings us and keeps us on center with the Lord. Is it the outward rules and regulations and and fear of penalty and punishment? Or is it an inward love? is Is it a devotion that comes from your heart? What would you rather have? 
Think of it as a parent. Think of it as a spouse. Do you want love that's been legislated? Do you want someone doing for you because they have to and the rules are set and they must? Or do you want someone who is willing and cheerful to do those things that bless you because they love you? Because they just have a relationship with you that motivates them to do not only what you desire, but even beyond sometimes what you might desire. This is what God is looking for. This is the love that he has shed abroad in your heart. Paul would say that the love of Christ compels us. Think about Paul. Think about these early disciples. Think about even today, missionaries, those that put their lives on the line, those that go to great expense, those that go to great discomfort to serve the Lord. What would possibly motivate these people to give up career and family and comforts and the American dream and go overseas and pour their hearts into work of mission field and toil or to come and serve in a church and go unnoticed and just kind of, you know, doing all of these things. What, what motivates people this way? Is it rules? Is it regulations? Is it requirements? Or is it love? Paul said it was the love of Christ that compelled him. He traveled all over. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He did it all because he loved Jesus. And the love of God in his heart for others flowed through his life. Paul would identify himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Timothy, also a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Epaphras, another worker alongside Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Peter, in his letters, would refer to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James refers in his letter as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jude calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What's up with these men? These are men that know freedom. These are men that rejoice in the freedom and liberty that they have in Christ. And yet they call themselves, they they almost boast, and not not in a prideful way, but this is their claim. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. These are men that have made a decision to willingly give themselves to the Lord because they love Him. They want to be His servant. Bondservant, it's slave. He owns me. My life, I, I am His. Whatever He wants, whatever He desires, whatever He says, it is my command. It's my will to do it. I, I, my heart is completely surrendered to His will for my life. And it wasn't something that was mandated. It wasn't something that was you know, legislated. It was something that they willing, willingly gave themselves to. And that's the power of love. And we, we started with this verse, First Peter, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. This is really the highest motivation for living and serving the Lord. Do you love Him? Don't embrace your Christianity by a set of rules and do's and don'ts. Just try to love the Lord. Just ask the Lord to grow your heart and capacity to love Him more. Because you know what? As you love Him more and as you grow in love and as you experience and taste His love, the rules and regulations will take care of themselves. You're going to find yourself wanting to live for Him, wanting to please Him. This is why Jesus, and you don't need to turn to these, but let me just quote you these these passages out of both the Gospel of John and 1 John. Bound by love, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. He said in John fourteen twenty three, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In John fourteen twenty four, He who does not love me does not keep my words. John fifteen ten, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 1 John 2, 5 But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. I like this one, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
Jesus was initiating a new kind of relationship, a new kind of loyalty, not a commitment to, to laws and, and, and rules and, and regulation, but, a, but an invitation to relationship founded in love. If you'll just love me, you'll obey me. My commandments will not be burdensome to you when you walk in my love. Once you've tasted of my love for you, once that love changes you and transforms your heart, your love for me will automatically begin to produce obedience, faithfulness, all of the things that we aspire to as Christians. It doesn't come through the the effort and willpower of man. It comes through a loving relationship. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. And the way to fall in love, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. That's why we spent so much time talking about the grace of God. I want you to feel so loved. I want you to be drowning in the love of God. I want you to just be overwhelmed with how much He loves you. Because that's what everybody's looking for. People want to be loved. God's wired us this way. We're starving for it. We need it. And God offers it in abundance. And as the love of God fills your heart, it begins to generate a response of love back to Him. And that response of love will produce fruit of obedience, faithfulness. You'll go wherever He says. You'll do whatever He asks. No task will be too big for you when you love Him. If He sends you across the world, you'll go. If He asks you to lay something down, you'll do it. If He asks you to change direction, you're willing. You know, I remember, I I think I've shared some of this with you. This is just a little example, but I grew up kind of learning how to play guitar. Started taking lessons back in junior high and, and, you know, just played a little bit, strumming. But it was kind of something I enjoyed privately. Never really wanted to play for anybody. Never did play for anybody. It was just something I enjoyed and kind of in my own privacy I would play and learn some songs. And I was playing and, you know, this was now, I'd been playing for many years. I played through college. And again, just something private. I'd never performed, never done anything, never really even led any worship, never really got engaged in playing in front of others. Didn't like that. And... Um, I was married now and had a couple kids. My guitar mostly was in the garage, and I took it out. It, was, it would stay in the garage for months and months. I took it out. I would take it out every now and then, dust it off, tune it up, play a couple songs, and put it back in the garage. And one night, I'm, I'm kind of alone, and I'm playing in, in my bedroom, and I, I get kind of this vision in my, you know, not like a out-in-the-air vision, but just in my head, I saw something. I felt like the Lord showed me something. I, I saw this picture of me playing my guitar in, a bunch, in front of a bunch of people. And, you know, I was kind of, I, it, was, it was for the Lord. I was, it was a worship song. And I stopped. It kind of startled me. And I thought, Lord, I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> you know, like, God, this is, this, you know, this is just my imagination, right? Lord, I don't want to do that. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of asked me, you know, he said, would, would you do it for me? And I don't know, when he said that, I just, I kind of, kind of, even now, it still kind of moves me a little bit. And I said, Lord, of course. I don't want to do it, but I would do it for you. If you ask me to do it, Lord, I will do it. Even though it's not really what I aspire to, Lord, for you, how can I say no? How can we refuse the Lord? How can we not say, Lord, whatever you would ask? Well, it was years later, but God did, did bring that worship gift to light and did use it to kind of bring my life into ministry. And I, you know, I, I bucked at it. I, I went kicking and screaming for a little while. But in time, you know, the Lord blessed it, and I could see that there was blessing in obeying the Lord. And I can say this. Serving the Lord, obeying the Lord, has made all the difference in my life. I have found no greater joy. I have found no greater fulfillment. I have found no greater sense of purpose and satisfaction 
than in the few things that I have been able to do with my life for the Lord. And nothing else compares. Nothing else even holds a candle. None of the accomplishments in the world or in business or in in any other endeavor. Now, all of those are good endeavors in the Lord. All of those can be done for the Lord. But whatever your hand finds to do, do it for Him. Because you love Him. Because He loves you so. Let God's love compel you. Let your love and relationship with Him become something so vibrant, so meaningful, so real, that you are you're bound. You're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm not free to live and do my own thing. Because I want to serve Him. I want to live for Him. I want to be doing what He wants me to do. No greater call. No greater use of your life, no greater use of your time, your resource, your energy than to serve the Lord. Love Him with all your heart and let Him direct and guide your steps. And you will find the strength and grace to obey Him. You'll find the strength and grace, the things of the world, the distractions. Those things begin to fall off and more and more of what God is desiring to do in and through your life comes into focus. And I just want you to taste that. I know some of you have, many of you have, and I, I just encourage you to you know, develop an appetite for that. Develop a craving for those things. Serving the Lord, being useful in His kingdom. Nothing else will, will satisfy your life or fulfill you other than loving Him and serving Him out of love. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. We're thankful tonight for Your grace that has set us free from the bondage of sin, set us free from the requirements of the law, You have fulfilled all of that in us through this wonderful gift of grace. It comes to us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. All the forgiveness that we need, all of the mercy, all of the strength, all of the righteousness is found freely through faith in Jesus Christ. But Lord, having tasted of those things, having tasted and seen that the Lord is good, God, I pray that You would help us to be good stewards of this freedom. That You would help us, Lord, to be, to be so in love with You that we would find Your commandments not burdensome, but a privilege, an opportunity, an honor to serve You. To imagine that You, Lord, would ask of me, to serve you in any small way. God, what a privilege, what an honor that I could in some way bless you with my life, that I could in some way honor you and allow you to be seen and glorified through my life. I do believe it is the highest use for all and the highest call upon all of our hearts today. And so I pray for us, God. I know there are many here tonight that are probably wrestling with things, maybe even struggling with some things, I I pray that love would win them over. I pray that they would sense how much you love them and how much better it is to live for you than to live for themselves. And that would become a draw and just an empowering for them. And Lord, as our heads are bowed, I, I do want to give opportunity tonight for those that may need to respond to you by inviting you into their lives, maybe for the first time, or rededicating, recommitting their lives to you tonight. It may be that you're here tonight and and you do not have this relationship of love that I'm describing with Jesus Christ, but you sense Him speaking to your heart tonight. You hear Him telling you that He loves you and that He wants to forgive you of your sins. If you would but just receive this grace by faith, Trusting Him, stopping your own way, turning from your own path, and turning your heart to Jesus and saying, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me from my sin. I need you in my life. I want to stop this direction. I I have been a slave to my own way, 
Set me free tonight, Jesus. Turn my heart from these things and forgive me by the blood that you shed at Calvary. Wash me clean tonight and empower me to live for you with all my heart. Maybe for the first time someone needs that prayer or maybe you're here tonight and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him. If you're here tonight and you need that prayer to invite Jesus into your heart and life for the very first time or you need to really rededicate, recommit your way to Him tonight, would you just raise your hand so that I can see you? I want to pray for you. Bless you over here on my far left. See you, ma'am, there in the back, and you as well, ma'am. Two hands over here on my right. God bless you both. God bless you, ma'am, on my left and up front here, sir. God bless you. Lord, speaking to a number of hearts. God bless you, sir. Any others tonight? The Lord speaking to you. You need to come back to Him. You need to re-engage this relationship of faith and love. Just before I pray, I I want to give opportunity. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. The very back. God bless you. Let me pray. Father, for those hearts that have responded, I've already voiced a prayer that I think would, would be the cry of their heart, Lord. We need you tonight, Jesus. Forgive us, cleanse us, wash us afresh and anew, and, and Lord, empower us tonight. Empower us with your love to live for you. We submit to Your will tonight. We acknowledge that we want to run the race that You've set up before us. Lord, I want to become Your servant. I don't want to invite You to come and help manage my life. I want to come and have You live Your life through me. Lord, touch our hearts with Your love. Overwhelm us with Your love. Lavish Your grace upon these hearts here tonight, Lord, and set us free to live for You and to walk in love. Thank You for Your work among us, Lord. Continue to draw our hearts and empower us in love. Continue to be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.